0: Anyway, there we go. So, uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is uh, all on my iPad, but I remember some of it, so I'll start. Um, right, okay, so I wanted—I was thinking about the fact that we are going into a new year. It is uh, 2017, um, which sounds like something from the future in my head when you are a person who was born in the 1970s. 2017 sounds like something that would be the title of a film. Um uh, we we've gone through this year which for a lot of people it has been quite tough like it seems that every like there's more celebrities died in 2016 than have ever been known to die in the history of celebrities in years uh, put together okay uh, and it's been a bit crazy Okay, um, but New Year. Uh, there's been some exciting things happened. Uh, we crowned a new king of the walnut. If people don't know about that, um, the Primrose Hill Community Church is the official uh, uh, body of. Um, where are you going again? Oh, she put it there, did she? If I was a mind reader, I would know that. Um, all right, okay. Um, Primrose Hill Community Church is the. This uh, is the official. Um, kind of governing body uh, of the international uh, King of the Walnut Association. Every year at our church New Year's Eve party, we play this game called King of the Walnut. Um, you basically throw a walnut in the air, hit it with your head, and uh, we keep going until somebody breaks it, and they are crowned King of the Walnut, or as this year we did have a Queen of the Walnut competition. Did you win that, Libby? Who won? Joe, Joe, Joe's queen of the walnut this year. Not only is she queen of the walnut, she is officially international queen of the walnut. She is a world champion, um, and it was Tom Stevenson was crowned king of the walnut this year. Wasn't he, Stephen? And myself were both going for a third world title, but we're still tied on two world titles each. Um, so that's the kind of thing that happens at New Year. Uh, New Year all gets uh, a bit crazy, as I told you before Christmas. I love New Year. Um, I kind of kind of prefer it sometimes uh, to Christmas as a kind of holiday and getting together. It kind of doesn't have that kind of big uh, expectation usually that we associate with Christmas. But when I get into my notes, I'll tell you what I was going to talk about for the rest of it. Okay, there we go. Right, so there's this big thing um, around New Year that you all have to get ready for. Uh, And in our New Year's party at church, normally like King and Queen of the Walnuts happened. Uh, Jules Holland uh, and the Hootenanny is on the TV. Anybody else have to watch Jules Holland uh, New Year? No. Okay. Um, right. Um, and then it, it kind of builds up and it's almost midnight. It's almost midnight. You have to get everybody together. And then you have to watch the countdown. You have to switch over from Jules Holland uh, to BBC One. And on BBC One, you have to watch the countdown and watch the fireworks in London and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of um, how we do stuff. But it's all about midnight. Now, I want to tell you a story, uh, not a story, an account from the Bible uh, from Acts 16, uh, uh chapters 16 uh, to 34, okay, and it it talks about midnight in this story, okay, it says this, uh, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling, she followed Paul and the rest of us, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Okay, there's that focus around midnight. Midnight's the time we're hearing that. We have this massive focus on midnight at New Year. And something ticks over. A new year, uh, we all start to get into this idea of a new start, and we start to get into this idea of resolutions. Who's made a New Year's resolution? Anybody out there made a New Year's resolution? Okay, anybody make a New Year's resolution last year? Not if none of you ever made a New Year's resolution, or are you just like, you just, yeah, you have. You're just not responding to me this morning because it's early and it's the first service of 2017, and you are being, you are misbehaving. Uh, anyway, right. So, what normally happens is we make uh, these these New Year's resolutions, but. I think by the fact that so many hands didn't go up, I think if some of the kids had been in here this morning, some more hands would have gone up. Because I think that as we get older, as we get more mature, as we have more new years that are part of our history, actually that our expectations of change changes. Our expectations of change changes. And sometimes I think that we come to church and we come to church a little bit like that, that our expectations of change change. That we come expecting that actually when the word of God comes and it comes and it hits our hearts and it comes deep into us and it connects with us, that everything changes. Everything changes. We come expecting that and then, and then... We have some tough times. Then we have some times when um, things don't go quite as planned. And a few years go by. We have a bad year and the change we expected doesn't work out. And then eventually we find ourselves in a place where we've stopped expecting things to change. We just stopped expecting change altogether. Because we get into a place where... It doesn't matter what the calendar says about it being a new year and a new start. We realise that we're stuck with our character. And we're stuck with who we've become. And the same disconnections, the same things that cause us to fall short of the things that we said we'd do last year when the clock ticked over or the calendar changed are still buried deep inside of us in our soul. And watching the date change, I don't know if you've ever done that thing where you, you watch the time change uh, at midnight. And you wait for the clock to tick over. Or you wait for you, the date to change on your smartphone. Yeah? But when that happens, it doesn't change what we're carrying inside of us And we end up getting disappointed. Do you know what? There's a word in the middle of that. um, Reading that I read to you just at the start of when I was speaking. And it says, suddenly. And there's a change. Suddenly, there's a change. And we read scriptures like this. We read passages like this. And maybe when we do it, it awakens a hope that's in us. Maybe it awakens that hope and that expectation that things can change and things can get better. Maybe we think, maybe this year will be my year. Maybe some of you have gone and thought, you know what, 2016 was a bust. I'm, I'm going to forget about 2016. 2017, this is going to be my year. This is going to be the year when I find the person who's right for me. This is gonna be the year when I sort out my debt problems. This is gonna be the year when I get out of the situation I'm in with work and I find myself in a place where I want to be and I get my dream job. This is gonna be the year when everything goes right. This is gonna be the year when I get control of my temper. This is gonna be the year when my relationships with people improve. This is gonna be the year when I stop letting myself down with people. I actually start to be who I want to be rather than what I'm portraying. Maybe this is going to be the year and that that hope is awakened in us. And then we start to get this sense of momentum. Okay, momentum is a force about when something's going and traveling. It has an amount of force that it carries into things. Okay, I was watching the NFL last night. One of my favourite things that I love to watch is is the running backs. And and for those of you who don't know about American football, uh, you've got the quarterback who throws the ball forward and tries to get the ball sent down the field. You've got a running back who tries to do that by battering his way through the opposition defence and smashing his way through and running the ball on further down the field to gain something. And in when you see that guy take the ball from the quarterback out of his hand he doesn't do it at a standstill and start going he comes running in and he carries his momentum and he takes the ball in his hand and he uses that momentum to smash into the defensive line that's in front of him and try and smash his way through and we start to think we've got momentum And our hope builds up again and we think, I can do this, I'm going to do it, the momentum's with me. But do you know what? Momentum can change really, really quickly. Do you know when we make those plans that we're going to get really healthy? We're going to lose some weight, we're going to get fit. And then, yeah, me too, right? And then, right... We make these plans and then momentum can change and be, and be just smashed out of the way really, really quickly. Okay, Sean was telling me he can't do his skipping because he's hurt himself. Um, right, okay, it's very manly skipping, of course. Right, now I can't, I can't play football and I can't exercise at the moment because I have a problem with a knee injury. Everything seemed to be going really well. I'd gone from that point where I'd tipped over from being the oldest guy in a young football team team to being like able to be a young guy in an old man's football team all right okay all right I was playing football, we'd been playing five-a-side, I'd been getting fit again, we played an 11-a-side a game, game. Everything was going quite well. I actually felt like I was a decent footballer uh, for once in my life. And then uh, I got hit on the side of the knee and I had this injury which a lot of you know where my knee just kind of wobbles and pops out uh, and it's appalling. Those of you who were there, don't burst my bubble and tell me I was playing rubbish up until that point anyway. Christopher, Adrian, Steven. Uh, Right, but momentum can shift really quick, and all of a sudden we lose it, and the change that we'd started and the change that we'd set out towards suddenly seems impossible um, to achieve. So we need to get strength, we need to get strength, and we need to start to push back again. Paul and Silas, in this account that I've read to you, they've got great Great ministry momentum going on. Okay, they're following their calling from God to go and speak the word of God and bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Okay, they've been called to this place called Philippi. They really believe that God's told them to go there. Um, they've had a commission, which is a sending out. Okay, from the council at Antioch, they've sent them out and they've said, "Go out and do this. Go out and travel." Um, Go out and tell people about Jesus' message. They've got a committed team. Okay, so they've got Paul and Silas and Paul's praying into this. And one of the things um, that, that is an answer to Paul's prayer is a guy called Timothy. Okay? Right, Timothy um, wants to join in with this mission. And so that. Um, that the Jews in these places aren't offended. Um, Paul says to Timothy that he's got to get circumcised. The guys are shifting awkwardly in their seats at the moment. The guy is committed because he says, yes, okay, as an adult, and he gets circumcised. I don't know how many of the males on our teams in church would be quite so keen to serve if we told them they had to get circumcised as an adult in order to join in. Tom, this is a surprise we didn't write into your contract. Um, It's not. It's really not. right? Okay. But there was commitment. There was a level of commitment. Okay, he's got a commission, he's been sent out, he's got authority that he's been given, he's got commitment, Uh, he's got a committed team around him. They've got momentum as they go into this situation. And then as they go, and they go out to do what they're supposed to be doing, they come up against this first barrier. Okay, Acts 16, 16 to 18 Just to recap on this bit, it says, Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Just like that woman was following Paul and Silas around. And every time he's trying to speak, she's shouting out and she's joining in. And she's maybe contradicting him. I don't know whether there's something in your life, a person or or something else, that follows you around and contradicts what you're trying to do. And ends up distracting you. And trying to steal your momentum from what God is calling you to. Do you know what? I don't know how all of your years went last year. For some of you, I know some of the stories um, that you've told me. I don't know everything. But I hope when I was reading that account about Paul and Silas, And them getting arrested uh, and beaten up and put into chains and having their their feet locked into stocks. I hope some of you might have been thinking, actually, maybe my 2016 wasn't so bad after all. Maybe my 2016 wasn't as bad as that time that Paul was having. Nobody locked me up. But you know what? Maybe we can identify a little bit with the next part of the story that that we hear that It's midnight. And Paul and Silas are locked up in this prison. Okay, now I used to work in a prison. Okay, And I know some of you have visited and, and done uh, work in prisons. Uh, the prisons that we know, they're not particularly nice places to be, and I certainly wouldn't want to be uh, in one of them. You might see things in the media that try and tell you how prisoners get it easy. I'll right? I, I, tell you what, I wouldn't want to be there. right? I wouldn't want to be there. But this prison is going to be nothing like those prisons that we hear about. And it's midnight and they're locked up, and they can't move anywhere away. They can't move around the room. You know, I imagine it would have been a fairly unpleasant scene if you've got a load of prisoners who are chained up and they can't go anywhere. It's dark. Their momentum seems to have been lost. I don't know if you've ever been a place of midnight in your life, where it seems dark and it seems uncertain, and it seems confusing. Do you know what? Sometimes when you go to a different place that's not familiar to you, and you go to sleep, or you're trying to go to sleep, and it's dark, have you ever done that thing where you just start hearing noises? Yeah, hands up if you've heard noises. And you start to think, what is that noise? I used to go and sleep over once a week uh, at my nan and grandad's house, which is now mom and Roy's house. And, uh, and that house made different noises to my house. And I was trying to go to sleep and I could hear creaking and I could hear banging and I could hear whirring. The following morning, you used to hear the drop forge, which would dra- you, wake you up down at Cradley, and that would be like banging away. But there were noises in the house, uh, and I'd kind of come out, and uh, as a little kid, and I'd gone to bed, and I, I'd come down the stairs. I, I can hear things, Nan. Nan, I think somebody's trying to get up the stairs. I'm worried somebody's trying to come and get me. I think somebody's out at the back. I think somebody might be down in the kitchen. And Nan turns around to me, and she says, no, 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 no. Those are just the noises that this house makes at night. Those are just the nighttime noises that happen in this house. And do you know what? Sometimes our lives follow that track of those nighttime noises. That the things that we could drown out by being active in the daytime and the light when we try and go to sleep. When we lie down in bed at night, the noises and the voices and the thoughts that were easy to deal with in the light, we can't get away from them at midnight. We can't get away from them in the dark. It sounds different at midnight, in that time of darkness, that time of confusion. We can't get comfortable. Maybe we can't sleep. I know sometimes I struggle to sleep and then kind of I'll end up getting up and uh, sometimes, you know, getting up a little bit loudly and moving around and huffing and breathing loudly to see whether Ruth's awake and whether she'll say, what's the matter? But normally she's not, so I just have to get up and get on with it or something. I'll go off and make a drink and come back and try and get to bed. But do you know if you've ever had something that's going over and over in your mind and you're trying to go to sleep. It's a nightmare, isn't it? I played in a cup final once uh, for the team I used to play football for. Um, we had an amazing match. We played an amazing match. Chris uh, was voted man of the match. Uh, all and the top five people who were down for man of the match were from our team, but we lost the game. Now during that game, okay, during that game, right before the end of the game. I had a run. What I was doing in the opposition box, I don't know, because I was a left back. Right, I had a run, and a ball came across from a guy called Stephen Cockroft. Okay? It was at Hal's Towns ground. Okay, it came across, he whipped it in from the corner. I can still see him now in front of the Harry Rudge stand. Okay, the ball comes across, and, and I tried to get to him. It's beat the keeper. It's coming across. There's only me in the box. Everybody else must be lying dead with cramp on the floor somewhere at this point. And my legs feel like they're made out of lead. And I stretch and I stretch. And literally the ball like, went past my foot by about that far. I could have equalised if my studs had have been a centimetre longer. That's what I reckon. But do you know what? At night, in the dark, after that game, all I could think about... Was that opportunity? And literally, for weeks, whenever I tried to go to sleep, I started to think about this goal that could have been. You know, we think about these things in the dark, in the daytime. I wasn't that bothered about it. Paul and Silas find themselves in this situation, locked in chains, in the dark. So what do they do? What do they do? They start to sing. They start to sing. They don't just start to sing something that's a popular tune or or just catchy. What they do is they start to sing hymns, songs of worship to God. They start to sing worship to God at midnight, in the darkness, in the confusion. How do they do it? What makes this midnight difference? What makes it different to our situations? What enables them to go and sing to God in the middle of this problem where they've been locked up? I think it's this. I think it's to do with this one word, and it's memorize. Turn to the person next to you and say, memorize. 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 Do you know what? Paul had sung these hymns of praise so much in the light and in the day that when it came to the night time, he could sing those songs at midnight. The songs of praise, the songs of worship were in his heart because he'd memorized them, he could sing them. At midnight. Do you know what? Last night I was up watching Seahawks uh, win their first playoff game uh, of this season, the postseason uh, in the American football, uh, and the game started at about quarter past one. So uh, I was kind of stumbling up to bed, like half awake, at like half past three in the morning. Now, if I had gone into our bedroom. Uh, and uh, Ruth sleeps nearest the door, so I'd have to go all the way around the bed. And if I had turned the light on when I went into that room, I would guarantee that I would either not be here this morning or I would be here with a black eye. All right, okay? All right. If I walked into my room at half a stone and turned the light on, um, I would have been in real trouble. But do you know what? I could get to my side of the bed in the dark because I know how to get there in the light. In the light, I know where I've got to walk, so when it's in the dark, I can cope. Yes, if I leave my trainers at the end of the bed, I might twist my ankle, okay, and fall over, but I didn't, I've been quite good at not leaving my clothes on the floor. Um, You know, I'm a man of a certain age, we find gents that we have to get up in the night to go to the toilet sometimes, because our bladder is not what it once was. In those times, in the dark, I know the route to the bathroom, so I don't have to turn the light on, because I knew the way in the light, so I can find my way in the dark. You see, when we do things really, really often, and Libby, I I want you to just help me out for a minute, if you could just come up to your guitar, she just says one minute as she writes notes, that's good, write notes, that's good, if you don't write notes, you should write notes, because you'll forget what I say. There you go. Thanks, Lib. Um, there's this thing called muscle memory. Okay, right. Oh no, she says. Right, pick your guitar up. Right, if I say to Libby, just sorry, right, you just move. Lauren always does this thing where she puts her guitar down in such a way that it like ties everyone else's guitar to the guitar stand. Don't know how she does it, but she manages to do it. Right, if I say to Libby. In the same way there, I said to this to Andy or other people that play guitar or instruments, if I say, Libby, play me a G chord. You, you have to play it, yeah. Okay, and a D, and an E minor, and an F, and a C, and an A minor, and a B minor 7. Okay, Libby doesn't have to think to herself... I must put this finger on this string and this finger on this string and this finger on this string in this fret and I must hit the strings in this way because what she's done over the years of playing guitar is developed something called muscle memory. Muscle memory is a thing in sport as well where people do a repeated action over and over again. Your brain doesn't need to think I will formulate a G chord on the guitar it just goes G done it A minor See, I can do it even without a guitar C, F it happens just like that. When we practice things in the light, we memorize them, and it helps us to be able to do it when the darkness comes. It helps us to be able to do that at midnight. So for Paul and Silas, they're singing worship. They're praising because they've remembered how to do it. They've got no worship leader, they've got no hymn book, they've got no words on a projector, they're just singing worship to God because it's already in their heart. And then what happens? There's this massive earthquake, the doors fly open and everybody's chains fall off. Everybody's chains fall off and then Paul sits there. Let me take you back to Acts 16, 26 to 28. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. If you remember back to your school days, um, where you have forgotten that there was homework. Anybody ever forgotten that there was homework? Okay. Then you go to the lesson, and you're getting through the lesson, and the bell goes... And this sweet relief comes over you that the teacher has not asked for the homework. And you're like, I thought I was going to be put in detention. I thought I was going to be in trouble. And now the teacher hasn't asked for the homework. And then there is always one kid. Sir, do you want the homework in? You want to kill that person. You want to kill that kid in the class. It's always the same one. All right? Always the same one. Do you want the homework in? And then all of a sudden, you realise that the freedom that you thought you'd got has just disappeared. Well, in this story, Paul is that kid with his hand up. Paul is that kid with his hand up because they've prayed, they've worshipped, the doors have flown open, the chains have fallen off. And then Paul says, don't worry we're all still here. Can you imagine what some of the people in that prison were thinking at that point? They've got this open door in front of them. The jailer is about to kill himself, right? They've got a free run. No one is guarding. The doors are open and Paul calls out to stop him. You see, apparently, Paul is better at preaching than he is at breaking out of prison. I'm ready for action. Uh, I don't know if any of you are like fans of like, programs like Prison Break. And you watch these, and there's the elaborate plans on how to escape, and it's all action, and they're going to get out. You know, Paul wouldn't have been very good on Prison Break. It's a big opportunity. Are they going to take it? Are they going to get out? But you know what? It's not about what happens at midnight. It's about what happens after midnight. It's the song that Paul had got in his heart before midnight that gives him the strength to sing it at midnight. And the way that Paul goes through midnight is what gives him the authority to share the message that God has given him after midnight. You know, Why were you singing and praying? Why were you singing and praying at midnight if you're just going to stand there when the doors fly open? Or maybe... Maybe Paul has got the kind of faith that's not just believing for an opportunity to escape. Paul has got the kind of faith that is believing for an opportunity. And when we think about New Year and we think about new starts, what we're actually normally thinking about is an escape. And we're thinking about a situation that we want to get out of. We just want to get out of the debt maybe that we're in. Maybe we want to get out of the the negative relationships that we find in ourselves surrounded by. We want the escape. God, get me out of this situation. But do you know what? Paul didn't go to Philippi to escape. Paul went to Philippi to bring the word of God in. We see an open door to escape. Paul saw an open door for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. There's an open door for you at the start of 2017, but it's not a door for escape, it's a door for opportunity because it's not just that we made it through midnight, it's how. We made it through midnight. It's not that I made it. It's that I made something out of it. Do you know what? We do that thing. Well, I don't do that thing. Ruth does this thing because it's really cheesy that whenever she sees anybody just before New Year and she's not going to see them on New Year's Eve, she goes, (laughs) see you next year. Has anybody, Ruth said that to anybody? Yeah, I'm sure she, yes. They go, right, okay. All right, see you next year. Or you leave a New Year's party and you know you're going to see somebody uh, later on New Year's Day. And you, you know it's like really early in the morning, but you say, See you later today. You to say, See you in the morning. You say, See you later today. You see, when the clock ticks over, midnight becomes morning. And it might still be dark, but midnight is morning. And what if the only difference? Between midnight and morning is how we choose to see it. What if the only difference between midnight and morning is how we choose to see it? And maybe as we go through these midnight times in our lives, these times of darkness and confusion, then maybe what we need to do is wave good morning to midnight. Good morning, anxiety. Good morning, hope. Good morning, pain. Good morning, purpose. Good morning, sorrow. Good morning, strength. It's all in the way that we see it. And as we head out on this year... I really want us to change our expectations. I want us to change our perspective on the way that we look at things. I want us to be changed. I want our community to be changed. I want our world to be changed. But we've got to take that door of opportunity rather than always just looking for the door of escape. We've got to look at midnight with the memories of what we've learned in the light and the knowledge that midnight is also morning. I want to pray for us. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. Lord God, we want to thank you that you are with us in the darkest situations. Lord God, when our life looks like midnight, Lord God, we thank you that you promise that you're always going to be there with us. Lord God, but we thank you that we can also change our perspective, Lord God, that we can understand that midnight is the start of the morning. Lord God, that we can see that you have opened doors for us of purpose. Lord God, that you want to call us out to do something. Lord God, you want to commission us Just like Paul and Silas and Timothy were commissioned to go to Philippi to bring your word. Lord God, you have things that you want us to do. Lord God, you have momentum that you want to give to us. But Lord God, if we want to take the most of that, Lord God, we've got to memorize. Lord God, in these opportunities, in the light, we need to learn to worship you. We need to learn to pray to you. We need to learn to trust in you and to rely on you. So Holy Spirit, I just ask you that you would just give us a conviction. Lord God, if we're going to have a resolve to do anything in this new year, it's going to be to learn to follow you in the light so when the darkness comes, we're not lost. God, I just pray you give us strength. Give us the ability to change our perspective, to change our lives, to change those around us. In your name we ask it, Jesus. Amen. Amen.